0: Hey everybody, Josh Wigler here, giving you a couple of heads-ups. We're kicking this week's Book Club podcast off with an emphasis on the books. George R. R. Martin, he released a new sample chapter from The Winds of Winter this week, so Terry and I are going to talk about that right up front for about 20 minutes or so. If you're not interested in that talk, skip ahead and you'll get straight into the show-only section. Uh, Secondly, I want to apologize in advance. This is not our best-sounding Book Club of all time. There was a recording error on my end. So the audio is not quite up to standards this week. Hopefully that doesn't jam things up for you too much, but just wanted to give you the heads up on that. Other than that, there's a lot to unpack with a new chapter, the Tower of Joy, that happened. There's some Clagane Bowl hype that we're going to get into on this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. The Game of Thrones book club was dead, but now it's resurrected here on Post Show Recaps. Hello everybody, I'm Josh Wiggler, and yeah, we said we would cancel the book club if we didn't get the full Tower of Joy scene, but we're breaking that oath here to talk about Oathbreaker. Terry Schwartz, how you doing?
1: I'm full of joy. How are you doing?
0: I'm also filled with joy. I'm filled with joy that we are filthy liars who will not be canceling <laughs> the Game of Thrones book club.
1: I'm glad, like, we did put the fear of lore in a few people. <laughs> I mean, we had a couple of people feel Please don't cancel it.
0: It was a decent amount of hashtag save the book club. I was touched. I
1: will say we got like 90%. We were missing the key 10%, but we got like a solid 90%. And
0: the other thing is that 10% totally exists still. And like, yeah, it would have been great to have that officially confirmed and everything like that. But the screaming from in the tower, the reason that the Three-Eyed Raven is showing brand this stuff to begin with, it's all pretty clear to me that we are going towards that reveal. It's just a matter of time before we actually get the full thing. So I'm happy. I'm really good with how that all played out. Uh, The
1: hype is dark. Dark and full of terrors. What is hype may never die. Uh-huh. I got like i feel, I'm feeling it. I wrote 1,900 words after this.
0: Wow! Oh my god! All right. All well,
1: specific scene and why I think it's so important, and talking about R plus L equals J is just my favorite thing to do. I want it. Like I want my professional job title to be. R L, L equals, equals J, J an expert. Analyst or something like that. That's pretty good. I guess good. It's basically what it is right now. That's AIG. a
0: pretty good job. Yeah. I'm into that. All right, well, let's see if we can say at least 1,900 words here <laughs> on this book club podcast. As always, here is your spoiler warning. This is the Game of Thrones book club. This is where we talk about Game of Thrones from the perspective of people who have read the books on which the show is based by George R.R. R. Martin. Anything that he has released in the world of ice and fire, including the book, The World of Ice and Fire,
1: including a new
0: chapter is game fair game and including a New chapter. So this is really, really fun because Terry and I were supposed to podcast on Tuesday night this week. We were recording this on Wednesday night. Now we broke our oath to podcast on Tuesday night and it turned out to be a very fortuitous thing because lo and behold, George R.R. R. Martin, who has not finished The Winds of Winter yet, has released a new chapter from The Winds of Winter and it dropped on our laps here on the internets right before we got on here pretty much like six hours ago. Can this I is. Tell you Pretty fun, weird.
1: yeah. I'm gonna tell you something word that like no one is gonna care about. But last night, I had a dream that the end of George R. R. Martin's like entire, like the end of A Song of Ice and Fire, what his ending is gonna be leaked. And that it went online and we all were reading it. And I just remember like in my dream, I was like crying and just was like very emotional. I was very, very uh, emotional about everything. But then he came out and he was like, no, that was like an early draft for the end of the book. And it's not real. And like stay tuned and don't be mad that it leaked and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I woke up. I was like, that was such a weird, weird dream, you guys. And I go on Twitter and someone actually, hold on, I can pull up. It's going to take me a while. I will come back to whoever tweeted at us, but someone tweeted at us and they were like, yo, you guys, are you going to do time? You don't book club yet? Or are you going to talk about this? And it was a George had dropped a new chapter. And I was like, this is weird. And also the best day ever.
0: Terry, are you a green seer?
1: I think I am. Okay, it's Mike Bloom.
0: Well, Mike Bloom, of course, we know Mike Bloom. Mike Bloom, one of the many podcast hosts here on Poster Recaps, the great Mike Bloom.
1: So I think I'm just like, I don't know, my cycles are in sync with George and his writing process or something like that, but I definitely had a crazy dream that... Prophesized. Mike
0: Bloom snaps. is kind of like a Jojen Reed, so this is interesting.
1: Well, it all makes sense and it all ties together. Yeah,
0: that's great. I, I, I
1: Jojen paste <laughs> hashtag Bloom paste Bloom paste that makes
0: more sense. <laughs> Early front runner for the hashtag, so shout out to Mike Bloom. <laughs> that's really fun, but yeah. So a new chapter has dropped. By the way, Terry, I would be remiss if I didn't ask what was the ending.
1: Of the dream?
0: You know, what was the ending of A Song of Ice and Fire recording to your dream?
1: I don't remember at all. I was just, like, really sad about it. It was, like, I was, like, sobbing, like, openly. All I remember about the end is that I was, it was, like, very emotional. But I don't know. People, like, weren't crazy about it.
0: Yeah. Okay, well. Like, it
1: it leaked. It leaked. Like, I was, like, my brain would let me spoil the ending for myself (laughs) in a dream.
0: I just wonder, like, what would have to happen for the ending of George's story to get spoiled before he's able to tell it in the book? Oh, OK. Well, anyway, <laughs> so let's so let's talk about let's talk about this chapter that dropped. It's an Arianne Martell perspective chapter. I thought that a lot of people were talking about we'll talk about the show, obviously, of course, yeah. in this,
1: but <laughs> you thought you were here to hear about <laughs> Oathbreaker Instead, you're hearing about Terry's dreams and this. Chapter
0: well, look, here's so. the thing before before we even get into it, I do. I mean, this is the Game of Thrones book club and this season is the season where we are mostly getting together for therapy and pulling together like whatever little book knowledge we still have to apply to the show and to talk about all of the theories that are more or less confirmed as fact. That's typically what we do. We will definitely do a lot of that today but it's so rare that we actually have a new book thing to discuss. So that's where we're going to lead off. We have to lead off there. If you want to get to the show stuff, skip ahead a few minutes and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll find all that but let's talk about the Arian chapter and one of the things that I saw a lot of people saying was like oh is this like a smack in the face at the show because the show has been accused of really bungling the Dorn storyline and here comes George R. R. Martin with a Dorn chapter and even on his live journal when he's hyping this thing up he's like you want to know what uh, Arianne is up to in the Still Sand doing Snakes they're doing, they're doing a lot this season they're up, they're, up, uh, they're up to a lot of stuff in this book uh, so what, what do you think is this a reaction at all to the show or do you think that that's just people have
1: It's fine. Okay. So a little, uh, detour to the answer to your question. Um, my boyfriend still has not been spoiled on anything. Game of Thrones this season. He knows that Uh, Jon
0: Snow is alive. No, he doesn't. That's impossible.
1: No, he doesn't. He, he has has like blocks, like, you know, everything is blocked on his computer. He has like apps set up to stop anything. Game of Thrones for coming into any feed or anything like that. How has been very respectful? How how is it possible that
0: he just hasn't heard it in social settings?
1: I don't know. He plays a lot of Destiny or something. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone knows that he's, he, anyway. And
0: the Tyrion um, Lannister robot
1: hasn't spoiled it for him? No one has spoiled it for him yet. Oh, so, didn't they
0: recast the Tyrion Lannister
1: robot anyway? <laughs> but so he, he hits me up and he's like, do you think George is doing something like he did with Mercy in this chapter, like he did with the Mercy chapter where that set up where Arya's storyline was going, even though they did it differently. And I, of course, couldn't be like, well, they killed like half the characters that George is hyping up in this chapter. Right. But then I was reading it and I was like, you know, I wonder if maybe there is going to be some sort of connection in a different way. Obviously, there's no Arya Martell, but maybe something with the Sand Snakes, like maybe they're going to go and like somehow must... Or Dorn's army and go and like capture Storm's End and do something like that. Or maybe other characters are going to come into play there. So, or maybe they're just going to ignore it entirely and it's an FU. Uh, but I, I am curious. I'm like, I wonder if this is going to have relevance later that we look back and see. That's why they did that. That being said, I, the conversation everyone's been having that i agree with is like oh reading this reminds me just how bad dorn is in the show <laughs> it, it actually is really good in the books
0: yeah i mean the dorn story is really cool in the books there's no argument there from me uh certainly with the way that it's shaking out where you kind of have these parallel stories one of them obviously has ended in quentin going all the way across to essos and to slaver's bay to try and woo daenerys and now arianne is trying to do something similar where she is trying to see whether or not aegon Targaryen Targaryen is all he's cracked up to be. I feel like this chapter, just on a cursory read, um, it's really driving home the Black Fire thing. You know, this Blackfire theory yeah. that Aegon Targaryen is fake, he's Phaegon Targaryen and he is secretly a Black Fire, probably doesn't know it and Jon Connington also probably doesn't know it and it's a Varys and Illyrio secret that he is a Black Fire and not a pure Targaryen and certainly not Aegon Targaryen as he claims to be. I think with the fact that there are so many shout outs to the Black virus. and I think you're going to get that No matter what given you know the close Ties between the Golden Company and The Blackfires to begin with
1: and also That Ariana is skeptical she's just as Skeptical as we are
0: right so it's but It's still like it's just so heavily Featured on there that I feel like you're Not loading that chapter up with that Kind of language and those call outs to The Blackfires so specifically and like Even you know I don't know I feel like It's really driving that point home and That's gonna be a really fun reveal in The books that the show could never Touch because the show really hasn't Gone into the Blackfires. It all, which is totally fine You know, the show will have its own Way of accomplishing whatever the Thematic importance or, you know The plot importance of the Blackfires is Like whatever, whatever you know Aegon's story is happening in the book Is going to be answered in some capacity On the show with different characters Probably, you know, like the same end net result Will happen, uh, but the way That it's happening in the books, this was a really great Reminder of just how fun that story is and how It's unfolding.
1: Also, like This chapter was so Good. It, it's funny. I was having this debate with a coworker who I will say up front, like I disagree with on every le- level. But he was saying that he doesn't like George R. R. Martin as a fantasy writer. He's a fan of other fantasy, but not George because so much of his action happens off screen with yeah. other ke- people t- telling it. And I was like, well, that's just Tolkien. Like that goes right back to that. But it really, after having that conversation recently, when I was reading this chapter, I was like, I love that she is like chasing the action basically. And she goes, she goes to one place, and they're like, oh, you just missed John. He's just ahead. They're going to, like, try and get Storm's End. And then they go to the next one, she's like, well, they're never going to do that. That's impossible. That's crazy. They're like, you just missed him. He's, like, about to go siege Storm's End. And then she gets the next one, and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, they have Storm's End. He'll meet you there. And I just, I loved... I love the develop- development of that. I loved how they play that out. And also, that's like, that's huge. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, yeah. They actually are a threat now, exactly like she was predicting.
0: Right. I mean, well, you know, one of the things that's great about the action taking place off page a lot of the time and the fact that you are dead set in somebody's perspective in any given chapter is you have to question information, too. Yeah. You know, and so who knows? Did they take Storm's End? Is it as is it as easy as, it, as they said? Are they going to be able to just smash the Lannisters on the battlefield? Battlefield is all of that going to play out? As they're saying, no guarantee, but it's a really exciting setup. And this whole chapter is just like a total tease. And you say it's such a good chapter, and I completely, completely agree with you. But not a lot happens, it, as you say. It's Ariane is really chasing after John Connington, and it's like, oh, John Connington's a few days away. Oh, John Connington's like a few cities away now. Uh, and like that's a lot of it. But what's beautiful about this chapter? It's really a great reminder of just how much of a just like. How how gorgeously George R. R. Martin writes and describes yeah. things. Uh, just to read a very super quick paragraph from it. Uh, this is when they're on their way. They're on their way, um, you know, to... I don't, I don't know where they are at this point. I think they're going to Mistwood. Uh, but this is the line. Dusk found them on the fringes of the rainwood, a wet green world where brooks and rivers ran through dark forests, and the ground was made of mud and rotting leaves. Huge willows grew along the watercourses larger than any that Ariane had ever seen. Their great trunks as gnarled and twisted as an old man's face... "'and festooned with beards of silvery moss, "'trees pressed close on every side, "'shutting out the sun, "'hemlock and red cedars, "'white oaks, soldier pines "'that stood as tall and straight as towers, "'colossal sentinels, big leaf maples, redwoods, worm trees, even here and there a wild weirwood. Underneath their tangled branches, ferns and flowers grew in profusion. Sword ferns, lady ferns, bellflowers, and piper's lace. Evening stars and poison kisses, liverwort, lungwort, hornwort. Mushrooms sprouted down amongst the tree roots and from their trunks as well. Pale spotted hands that caught the rain. Other trees were furred with moss green or gray or red-tailed and once a vivid purple. Lichens covered every rock and stone. Toadstools festered besides rotting logs. The very air seemed green. Just the way he describes things. It, you
1: like don't even need a show. <laughs> it's
0: unbelievable. Well, it's, you know what? It's why I'm really grateful that there is a show and why I'm really grateful that the books exist as well and why yeah. the two things are so beautiful and so masterful at what they do. And George R. R. Martin tells a really incredible story in his books, obviously. I, what
1: I meant, I didn't mean... You didn't need a show like that I meant like it's so descriptive That you can visualize it Just from his writing That Uh, you almost don't need it To be shown to you Because he does such a good job A hundred percent He
0: really does show it to you With his words And I think that again Like he weaves such a great narrative Throughout these books And obviously The show that we're here to talk about Does not exist without this Incredibly intricate story That George has written But I think it really Can't be stressed enough For my money The real joy Of A Song of Ice and Fire Is the language And the way that George strings sentences together. A lot of people give him crap for how he copiously describes feasts uh, and this was, you know, kind of like forest porn he just like <laughs> unleashed here. But it's it's really fun and it's just really pleasurable to read and the way that he just lists things out, it really paints such a vivid picture and that's something that you can only do in the books. And the books does it so, so well. So it was really just such a pleasure to, to read and uh, you know, I love, the, I, I love the stuff like in Feast for Crows where Brienne is meandering around Westeros because it's fun to see the different perspectives of what's going on in the Seven Kingdoms and you get that here in this Aryan chapter and it's not a huge plot driving chapter and it's probably and it's not even probably, it is stuff like this that causes these books to come out so slowly
1: <laughs> I was gonna say that like I was having that conversation with someone earlier and they were like god like if <laughs> I was just reading this chapter in the book I would be so annoyed, I would be like he's like I would, I would not care about the forest like get over the, but maybe all george needs to do is every six months or four months release a chapter when we're so hungry for them and we'll all appreciate all of his words um i am gonna read my favorite yeah let's hear it uh part of the book. And this, I love, I agree with you about language, but something that I love is the way his writing just instills this like rich history of a world that existed far before the story we're telling. And it will exist far after in a different way. Like you feel like you're just getting this small capsule. Uh, and, and that's obviously what we love talking about and theorizing about and which, what builds this rich mythology. So this is my part. I think it's a little bit after what you read. The passageway Arianne had chosen for herself turned steep and wet within a hundred feet. The footing grew uncertain. Once she slipped and had to catch herself to keep from sliding. More than once she considered turning back, but she could see Sir Damon's torch ahead and hear him calling for Elia, so she pressed on. And all at once she found herself in another cavern, five times as big as the last one, surrounded by a forest of stone columns. Damon Sand moved to her side and raised his torch. Look how the stone's been shaped, he said. Those columns and the wall there. See them? Faces, said Ariane. So many sad eyes staring. This place belonged to the children of the forest. A thousand years ago, Ariane turned her head. Yeah. I, I was just like... <gasps>
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's so beautiful, it's really great, and just like that that vivid picture of yeah. a cavern five times as big as the last one, like you can just imagine Ariane Martel just like an ant in like this gigantic bit of space yeah. uh it's so it's so vividly drawn,. <sighs> It's great. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. I loved that. I loved that part, too. But I think what's, you know, what's, you go back to, like, what your friend said uh, and how, like, if I were to read this in the book, I would be so angry. I think that one of the great things that we will look back on um, eventually, whenever The Winds of Winter comes out, whenever A Dream for Spring comes out, whenever these books are out. If they're ever out,
1: hopefully,
0: hopefully, hopefully they're out. And, you know, the show is done. You know, the show has got two, three years left at this point. Uh, I think what we will look back on and see, like the great thing about the show, Moving past the books and ending in its own time is you're going to know a lot of like the general ideas of where some of this story is going. A lot of the paths to get to those points are going to be very different, but like you'll know, Jon Snow is back to life. We already know that at this point. And, like things like that, we're going to have on our radar. I think that you're really finally going to be able to stop and enjoy uh, the forest porn for the trees. Like I think that you're going to be able to see this smaller stuff. I think you're going to really be able to enjoy just the language and. Relish the small details that hint at something so much larger um, in the in these books. I think you're really going to be able to really drill down into the, like the Septon Maribold monologues of the world. I think a lot of that is really going to stand out because you're not going to be in such a rush to obliterate a Dance with Dragons. You know, like it's not going to be like I need to get through it, so I need I need to know what happens next. I think at least That's for what me,
1: says too, like he's. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be remembered as the guy who got his book out quick. I want to remember as the, be remembered 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 as a guy who wrote a great story and I think he just needs to get the last book out for that to be to really become his legacy.
0: I think so too. And you know, obviously he has to get those books out in order for that in order for that to happen. But I think like if you hold out hope and if you're if you really believe that these books are gonna come, I really think that this chapter to me suggests it's really gonna be worth the wait because his writing style is just so poetic and so beautiful, and that's the most important stuff to me, especially because the show is pile driving through so much. And so that's right. gonna be less interesting to me when I get into the books. I'm really gonna be very excited to kind of just chew on the book and really, really save the flavor uh, anything else on the chapter or should we finally start talking about the show
1: no let's talk about the tower of hype
0: let's talk about the tower of hype what is hype may never die i really enjoyed your tweets about this terry <laughs> terry was on fire on sunday night during earthbreaker while the tower of joy was going on so let's talk about it. overall impressions of the tower of joy
1: oh that fight was so good that was like that to me was one of my favorite scenes of this season Hands down. Yeah. I think they actually did do a great job of it. I know a lot of people were crying foul, but like, I like the buildup. And I also like, and this actually is something that really, um, came into the focus for me after your, uh, interview with Isaac Hempstead, right. Which I believe we talked about last week where he said the three eyed Raven, um, is intentionally showing, uh, brand specific scenes. Right in moments in history. So to me, it's like, why is the Three-Eyed Raven showing this brand? But not showing him all of it, but saying you're not ready. Like, to me, that's the big question to come out of it. Not what's happening in the tower, but why is brand being... Asked to ask this question
0: Yeah it's a it's a great point and I Think you know that's why a lot of people are like Well why didn't he just show Arp Equals J already why not just Go there why are we not seeing that Right off the bat maybe you know there Is other stuff that Bran needs to see first you know there's more Context that needs to be Provided so that the three eyed raven Can show Bran the Importance of the Targaryen bloodline the Importance of Jon Snow's role in things So maybe that's when he's going to Zap him back to finish off the Tower of Joy. Maybe that's his plan. I know a lot of people were a little he's going to zap
1: him back? Or do you think Bran's going to break ranks?
0: Well, I think that's a great question. I think it's a really... I
1: definitely think he's going to break ranks. It's, I think he's going to be like, screw it. Yeah. I'm doing it. I want to
0: know. Peace out, Three-Eyed Raven. I'm done. Yeah, I think that there's an argument for that for sure. I think it was such a great scene to see Bran interacting with the past and calling out to Ned and Ned looking around. And I had really actually forgotten that this is, you know, rooted in the books. I had kind of forgotten about this moment. With Theon, right? Well, there's stuff with Theon. You know, he talks through – there's a lot of evidence that Bran communicates through the Weirwood Trees. And in the Theon chapters, the – Trees are talking to him and it's suggested that It's Bran who is speaking to him and Certainly in one of the sample chapters from Winds it's pretty explicit that Bran is talking to Theon through some Ravens um, but there is actual Attempts at communication With Ned in um, In Bran's last chapter In A Dance with Dragons our good Friend R. Philly he submitted A couple of passages just as excerpts To remind us of this here is one Lord Eddard Stark sat upon A rock beside the deep black pool in the Godswood. The pale roots of the heart tree twisting around him like an old man's gnarled arms. The great sword ice lay across Lord Edard's lap, and he was cleaning the blade with an oil cloth. Winterfell. Bran whispered. His father looked up. "Who's there?" he asked, turning. And Bran, frightened, pulled away. There's also this passage. Father, Bran's voice was a whisper in the wind, a rustle in the leaves. Father, it's me, it's Bran, Brandon. Eddard Stark lifted his head and looked long at the weirwood, frowning, but he did not speak. He cannot see me, Bran realized, despairing. He wanted to reach out and touch him, but all he could do was watch and listen. I am the tree, I am inside the heart tree, looking out of its red eyes, but the weirwood cannot talk, so I can't. Um, There's also something akin to, on the show we get a line from the Three-Eyed Raven, which is a really great line, Uh, The past is already written. The ink is already dry. There is a little bit of that conversation here from uh, the Three-Eyed Raven in this chapter where he tells Bran, he heard a whisper on the wind, a rustling amongst the leaves. You cannot speak to him. Try as you might. I know. As if he has, um, you know, tried it himself.
1: Well, that's okay. That. That is what I want to talk about as yeah. if he'd done it already, because there was this theory that was going around. I saw it on Buzzfeed. I think they just took it from Reddit that like maybe Bran ha- ha- like was trying to change things and went back in time and was talking to King Eris and right. telling him, no, don't do this. Yeah. And that that is what made him mad because the Mad King seemed to be hearing whispers and stuff. And maybe that's what drove him to do all these things. I put forth, Maybe the Three-Eyed Raven did that.
0: Yeah, that could make he sense. He was
1: trying to set things right, and that's why he's like, don't mess with stuff, because he knows what happened before when he did it, and it made things just that much worse. Right. I do think that like there's a look on of fear on his face when Bran says something and Ned hears him, yeah. which to me means he's trying to teach Bran, no, you can't do it. We already see, yes, you can. And he doesn't want Bran to try and do more and actually alter things. We also see that, you know, in the promos that there's going to be a scene where the three or the Knights King like grabs Bran's arm, right. and turns around and confronts him. So I'm, I bet this is set up to that. Very curious to see who in the show is the Knights King, because I feel like it's going to be revealed in one of these flashbacks. And I feel like it, it might be someone we know. Really? I don't think it's Benjen, but I just, I don't know. Isaac Hempstead Wright had said something to me about the relationship between uh, between the Three Eyed Raven and the Night's King will be revealed, and maybe he didn't mean like a literal relationship where they know one another, but I do feel like there's going to be some. Added relevance to who this character is revealed this season. Well,
0: I think that you know a lot of theories and you know about the Nights King, and it's not fresh in my mind. But I think a lot of people think that maybe the Nights King was a Stark. He was the Lord's Commander. He was the Lord Commander of the Nights Watch once upon a time. So if he's a Stark, let's call him a Stark. You know, whatever his name is, you can call him. I don't know, M. Night Stark. And he is suddenly turned into the Nights King. Then you've got a guy who is from Stark. You know, Stark lineage and you have in the three eyed raven someone who is of targaryen lineage and you now have these sort of mystical polar opposites of the ice and fire paradigm so i think that there could be something there but i don't think that it's going to be like i don't know it's not going to be like benjen i really couldn't see that benjen was you know just here uh you know benjen was here like two years ago for him to suddenly become this leader is just a little much
1: I do have a question about this, though, and maybe I'm just stupid, and you all can shame me for not knowing the obvious. Same, same, same. Which I'm fine with. I'm fine with getting the shame bell. But uh, the three Raven says that he's been waiting like a, th- a thousand years for Bran. And I was on, you know, Brandon Rivers, Blood Raven, is probably uh, like a no. century old C- century. A yeah.
0: You know, not much more than a century.
1: Uh, so I was curious about that because I thought it was all but confirmed that he is supposed to be blood Raven in the show. Uh, that, I was like, <laughs> I don't think that
0: it's been explicitly stated on the show, and the show could be doing something differently. And also,
1: oh, wiki of ice and fires.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, wiki of ice and fires talking about the books. Uh, go to the Game of Thrones wiki if you want the show only stuff. Uh, but I, who knows? Maybe it is still Bloodraven, and maybe he has been there for a century. But he's just like a real great exaggerator. Yeah, maybe where he's he like, can- I've been here for like a million years, bro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've been here forever. <laughs> you write
1: dialogue for Game of Thrones because <laughs> I think you'd be really
0: my version that. of Game of Thrones would be really, really great. I'm just saying, just I do want
1: to say I think the the greatest tragedy of this uh, Tower of Joy scene is that because of people like me and, and probably you and many people. Uh, Listening to this podcast, we're so hyped about what is happening in the Tower of Joy that I feel like what happened outside of the Tower of Joy isn't getting its due. We saw Howlin' Reed. Like, that we was Howlin' Reed. We started- did. We stabbed Arthur Dane to the back of the
0: head. I know. It was, was so good. It was pretty neat. Brendan Fitzpatrick had written in, are we as viewers as shocked as Bran is as to how the fight with great Arthur Dane ended? Ned says in the book, he surely would have killed me if not for Howland Reed. What exactly did we think that meant before seeing it? I didn't necessarily see the backstab coming, but once it happened, I was like, oh, of course, that's how he saved his life. That 100% makes sense. Um, a lot of people, I think I think that this had been like pretty commonly believed that this this is how Ned survived his battle with Dane, not in terms of within the world of Westeros, but in terms of the fandom. And in fact, before the season began, there was this fan video that was made, this fan movie that was created of the Tower of Joy that I watched. It's a little cheesy, but, you know, it's pretty fun. And actually, like, it plays out pretty, you know, identically to the way that it plays out in the show, except the show yeah, this, obviously the show has a huge out budget.
1: Identically to how- Ned remembered it. Right. I but was I, very impressed.
0: But I, I think in terms of like the Howlin' Reed moment, in this right. fan movie I'm saying like it ends with Howlin' Reed doing a dirty thing against Arthur Dane. So right. I think a lot of people figured that that was going to happen. So I don't know about surprise for the people who know the the story, but I think that in terms of people who were watching the moment it's a cool button on the scene. We don't know what the gravity of a Howlin' Reed is yet on the show, uh, but in the books it is still really, you know, from that perspective it's really cool to see him in action. If it's Patrick had yet another complaint. Let's just air- another. Is it going to be
1: about Don? It's going to be about Don. No,
0: it's next. not going to be about Don. Actually, okay. we can talk about that next. That's, that's not happening. That's not real. Uh, this is Brendan Fitzpatrick who says, would it really have been so hard for them to do an extra 30 seconds of screen time to add a third Kingsguard member there at the tower? It's nitpicky, but I still feel like it's an important detail to the point where it feels like once again, David and Dan going, screw you book readers. This isn't your story. It's ours. Just an unnecessary change. Poor Oswell went, he gets no respect. Uh, uh, were you sad to see poor Oswald Went get cut from the Tower of Joy sequence, Terry?
1: I even like reread this chapter after this aired and like noted that the numbers were different, but didn't know it didn't it didn't affect me at all. I think like the only reason I can think of is just to make it more effective. Like you know, Gregor Hightower quickly dispatched a, or just or dis- gotten rid of, and then. Uh, we are left with Arthur Dane, and no, oh, he's going to die. Oh no, he takes on three people at once. Right. Like I think it was purely to dramatize it, and are there are a lot of like House Went supporters out there. I don't know. Like I don't know. Love House other, other than being so uh, stuck on the details, I, I don't think that that is that impactful in any way.
0: Yeah. So what did you think in terms of the Don? Sorry, Dawn- Brendan. No, Brendan's fine. He's good. Uh, what did you, what did you think of the Don thing? This was something that I did definitely see some people being like, I can't believe Arthur Dane isn't using Don Lightbringer. You know, well, a lot of people think that's going to be Lightbringer. Uh, what, what did you think of the way that he was fighting instead using two swords? Was that a big problem for you?
1: It wasn't. Again, I think it was just because it looked cool. And I I honestly have not gone back and, like, puzzled over to look at what the two swords are. But I thought the consensus was that, like, maybe one of them was Don and yeah. he was just fighting with two. Um, I think, again, just to look cool, like, he's fighting, he's fighting three people. Of course he's fighting with two swords. He's a badass. He can do whatever he wants. He could fight with a stick and still beat them. Yeah. I thought they did a good job underlining that. But again, I do, the dawn thing I get more than the 3 Kingsguard me- members. But it was really cool that Ned was using Ice still.
0: Well, he wasn't using ice. I don't think it was his how other about- sword. Ice is a great sword. Ice is like oh. his giant, like executioner sword.
1: What am I thinking? What well, am it's
0: I like his—it's his combat sword. You know, it's his smaller sword. I don't know what the technical term is. Is it a long sword? Maybe somebody is please using correct a sword me.
1: That actual like older Ned had earlier.
0: Yeah, he has that. That's his fighting sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I misspoke. God, everyone's no, away.
0: it's okay. I'm also sounding like a dummy. It happens. Yeah. Um, how about this? How about somebody who is calling their shot and is I. I I think, you know, it would suck because it would be a long time to get there. But this is an interesting tinfoil hat theory from Maester Goldner, the very popular Maester Goldner. Uh, (laughs) Maester Goldner writes in and says, since the Tower of Joy teaser trailer, uh, since the Tower of Joy aired on Mother's Day, the big reveal will be on Father's Day, June 19th, which is episode nine. Are we going to find out that R plus L equals J in the penultimate episode of season six on Father's Day? I think it's
1: going to be... Episode
0: five. You think it's to be episode five?
1: Because the description is something along the lines of Bran learns everything.
0: Whoa. Wow, he really fast forwarded. You know, he, he gets this line from the Three-Eyed Raven saying, I want to teach you everything. And Bran's like, all right, let's do that in two episodes. And
1: then he learns... Well, now I need to look up the actual wording of it. But I think... I mean, it could be misleading. It could not be what we think it is. But also, we were like, maybe the Tower of Joy promo that we're seeing isn't what we think it is. And it certainly was. So, yeah. I think I would I would bet sooner rather than later because i think it's going to build up to a larger Jon snow reveal because this actually goes back to something i wanted to say uh, they, they introduce hal and reed as a character um you know we the viewer can assume that it's jojan amira's father sure but they we don't know if he's we can assume he's still out there but he ha- has never been established as a character really within the story
0: he's the high sparrow so he- isn't he is that no? Is that- I'm stop. I'm stop. But I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: No, I was like, come move on, away. move that's, away. That's theory. That's not confirmed. Um, anyway, a, my point. being, If, Br- if Bran finds out that uh, John is the child of Rhaegar and Lyanna, or whatever, he might be the only person who can do anything about it. What does he do with it? Like, how does that impact Jon Snow? Just because we, as the viewer, find out and that's confirmed, doesn't mean anything to the story until Jon finds out or someone else finds out, and it has larger repercussions. It's
0: because these Stark siblings are getting back together. Terry Schwartz, mark my words: this is starting. <laughs> me. This is starting to happen. Jon is going to run into Sansa. That's happening in episode four.
1: You don't think he's going to have like just left Castle Black? No,
0: no way. I mean, yes, way. Obviously, there's a huge chance oh, that. By the way, I need
1: to, in The Door, which is episode 5... Quote Bran learns a great deal Okay
0: a great deal. Everything. a great deal A great deal is not everything. everything I mean it would be A big deal You know You could you also call it,
1: it even be A great
0: deal You could call it A great deal If uh, he finds out R plus L equals J For sure But I feel like John is going to meet up With Santa In episode 4 We could do the thing Where they're just Ships in the night But that's so frustrating And where They've do the stories go They've done it before But we're in season 6 Of 7 if not 8 seasons left um, You know we gotta start putting These people back together You could see John and Sansa Marching on Winterfell Trying to get Rick on Maybe they get him back Maybe Bran Is somehow in the mix there Who knows how you get Arya back as well I think these Stark kids Are getting back together Pretty At some point I don't want to say Pretty soon Honestly but I, like, I feel like it's very I, possible
1: I might cry
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't cry How could you not cry If the Starks all Got back together It would be the greatest well, thing could,
1: Even just Sansa and John, and Like of the, of the two um, And I know Well, I know we've spent so much talking about these very, very book related things, but like in Aria's storyline where she's forced to correct that she had three, three siblings and a half brother. I was just like, oh, my God. I remember the pilot. Remember when she got needle? Like, remember
0: the best, the best. All right. I before we move on from the Tower of Joy stuff, I want to start talking about another big deal uh, in a second here. But you and I are we on the same page about. Game of Thrones just introduced whatever happened happened style time travel like is it a thing I mean who knows if it's like the Mad King heiress theory that's floating around right now where, uh, where Bran goes back or even if you want to say the Three Eyed Raven went back and tried to make things better but ended up screwing things up but that's just the way that things had always happened are we, are we getting that sense of from you know this line that he says the past is already written the ink is already dry does that mean that Bran is still capable of going back, and if he were to do something like talking to Ned Stark at the Tower of Joy and Ned Stark swivels around, did that always happen? Did Ned Stark always think he heard something at the Tower of Joy?
1: That is an interesting question and one I hadn't thought of. I think it is... That what happened always Happened right that is how I am watching It are you watching it differently how are No you that's what
0: I'm saying it's like I don't yeah. think that Bran is going to be able to go back and Stop Jamie Lannister from pushing him out of a window That right. is not going to happen on this show because Then you start getting into crazy Alternate timelines and paradoxes and things Like that that I really don't think that and we're going to Be fantasy, able to see
1: it's not sci-fi
0: but I do Think that there could be something to like you know Bran is going to Be present for some stuff as We have seen and the impact that he has in those moments always existed in those moments so you know Ned swiveling around and thinking he hears a voice because Bran called out to him I think that that had always happened at the Tower of Joy and that's fairly small scale stuff but there could be more severe stuff that Bran is in the future going to be involved in and it will have turned out that he was always involved in. Well
1: I I saw people saying like what if in that moment when he cried out to uh, Ned that like that was the split second that Ned needed to go and see him right. or something like that, which yeah. I totally could see play out.
0: Things like that, though, I think are not off the table, and I would not be surprised if we see something like that. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I just started thinking about this the other day, is that moment where Ned is about to get his head chopped off in Baylor, and he is looking around, and he looks out to try and see Arya, and then he looks up at the sky, and he sees a raven. And a lot of people are like, oh, Ned Stark Warg into that Raven? Like, there's some real, you know, nutty theories out there. I like
1: what you're getting at. But, though.
0: but is it that, like, was Ned throughout his life haunted by these things, by, like, this feeling? You know, if he never had, like, a direct interaction with Bran, was he haunted by ideas of Bran or Bran's presence and are we going to see Bran witness Ned Stark's death from the Raven's perspective or some perspective and is that going to be like some sort of, in retrospect, some sort of odd comfort for Ned Stark in his final moment? know, That was just something that I thought about the other day, which is a little tinfoil hattie too, but I think that'd be cool. No,
1: I think that's like a very lovely idea and something I hope happens. I wonder though, I mean, this season isn't wasting much time. Um, so I wonder if it if it's gonna make time for a scene like that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. But it has made like a good amount of time for Ned Stark on this show, and even if they don't go there, it's been so great to see Ned Stark on Game of Thrones again.
1: Absolutely, we got yeah, we got a young Ned Stark and I wonder if we're gonna get any other like we I've been building up to this being the big flashback we see. I wonder if this is just the first of like even cooler ones that we're gonna get.
0: I hope so. I mean, that is certainly the suggestion. You know, what if we get the Trident? What if we get the battle at the Trident?
1: Well, this is my question to you. This can be our new bet. Do you think we will see adult Rhaegar or Lyanna?
0: Mm, Yes, I do.
1: Interesting. Because I almost feel like they're skirting around it intentionally. I
0: I think that at some point you're going to get Rhaegar and Lyanna in there. If only for like, you're going to want to have like that, media material for like your book eventually like you know it's like like,
1: looking too close to the sun <laughs> you're
0: making of that you're making of season six of game of thrones you're gonna like your official family tree you're gonna want <laughs> you're gonna want those photos out there eventually no i think that i think that we'll get that you don't you don't think you think it's flying too close to the sun Do you want to take this line in the sand here
1: um i just don't think they will because so many people have their own ideas of what those characters look like that being said i would happily be wrong because I want to see them.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to say yes, and you will say no, and we will see where we are at the end of the okay. session. All right. How about but that? But I will
1: be happy if I'm wrong. Okay. put that out there? Yes. This isn't a competition. We're both winning. And
0: I'll be furious if I'm wrong. All right. Okay. So, so let's move on. We don't have a ton of time this week. Terry has to travel, so we're going to try and get some rapid-fire stuff in here. All right. So let's talk about this. You know, we are hype for Tower of Joy, of course. That was really cool. Hype about all of the possible ramifications there. Let's take this question from Alexander Chester about something else that we might want to get. Get hype over. Alexander Chester writes in Cersei explicitly mentions that she is going to choose trial by combat with Sir Gregor as her champion before the High Sparrow. So obviously, the Faith is going to choose the Hound, who is rehabilitated <laughs> as the religious <laughs> grave digger on the Quiet Isle. Right? We've been promised a Clegane versus Clegane death match since season one. We, we, expi- been <laughs> we, we explicitly never saw the Hound die on screen, and and Arya went way out of her way this week to mention that she doesn't know if he's actually dead tell me if this is happening I must have revenge for what happened to my beloved Prince Oberyn that's from Alexander Chester Uh, Alexander
1: Chester I think I might be in love with you
0: (laughs) it was really great I mean I love first off I love that that whole line of thinking but it was really great to get yeah Cersei saying like I'm gonna toss Gregor Clegane at whoever and I'm gonna be fine and I'm gonna win trial by combat and it's gonna be totally dope and it's gonna be the best again I really ought to be writing this dialogue Uh, (laughs) but then you have this scene you know in the faceless with the faceless Men plot in the House of Black and White Arya talking about like I don't know if the Hound is dead there's certainly strong suggestions that the Hound is coming back this season there's the whole Ian McShane thing who is going to be on the show at some point this season and he was blabbing his mouth off about how he <laughs> plays a character that is involved in bringing someone unexpected back to life and he is only in it for one episode so a lot of heavy speculation is that he is the elder brother or maybe some version of the elder brother on the quiet aisle and there are a lot of reports That the Hound will be brought back in that way. If that's the case, it's still hard for me to imagine how you get the Hound to this trial by combat. But it's not hard for me to imagine the Mountain winning that trial by combat and the Hound living long enough to fight the Mountain on a battlefield.
1: Right. Yeah, I saw a lot of people jumping to like, well, it's confirmed. Clegane Bowl confirmed they said it, like that's a fight I wanna see, or whatever Jamie said. Um maybe I'm just like, I never think Clagain Bowl is gonna happen because of that incredible video someone made that was like <laughs> I Clegane think many Bowl.
0: someones I, made, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so I did not jump to that conclusion maybe this is the season of fan (laughs) service maybe dan and david are going to give everyone the game bowl that they have demanded um that being said i totally do think it was very pointed the way the hound was brought up uh i do like that scene confirmed to me that we will be getting him back but here's my question to you and i actually uh, i do another podcast at ign called dragons on the wall where i talk with eric goldman about game of thrones and i brought this up there too, but Josh, I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think also bringing back the Hound would be Too many resurrections No Even though he's not I know he's not dead He's not actually being resurrected But do you think That would be too much For one season No
0: I don't think so I think that you could Bring him back I think it could be A really great moment And I think that You know A lot of it depends On how you play it And I think that There are a lot of ways You can play it successfully Um, And the two most prominent ones Are you could bring him back Onto the show In a really big way Where he is somehow Going to link up With Brienne He is going to have A redemption arc You know he is going to Or fight his brother He's going to You know he's going to Realize that Brienne is now Team Sansa, and since the hound was Team Sansa at one point, is he going to be like, I'm with you guys, I will defend you, and he is going to be a pure hearted hound. That would be really great. That would be really beautiful to see, and they could really pull that off. And then he could, you know, go and get hype and fight the mountain, and that would be great. That's one <laughs> that's that's just one possibility. The other possibility is if you're gonna bring him back on the show, that it is just for that fleeting moment that you get in a feast for crows, where you just get the smallest whiff of the hound. Like it's just the slightest sign that that grave digger and the hound are the same guy and you move on from the story and in the book it's a little bit harder to see how he gets drawn back into the action but on the show i think that you could see a way for it to happen but it would also be just as nice if it's just this one quick little nod that the hound is out there he is you know reforming he is rehabilitating he is living a new life and he is you know fighting his way toward peace and you never see him again in a show that is so bleak, where so many people just have horrible endings. Um, to see the broken man, as Septon Maribold would call him, have a little bit of peace at the end of his life and just to leave it there and never check in on him again, I would love that. So I think that there's a lot of different ways that it could go. Certainly there are ways that it could go where it, would, it might be too much or it might be bad, but I'm much more open to it than I am closed off to it.
1: One thing that I've been thinking about when thinking about the idea of the Hound coming back is like who would take Brienne's role. Cause I don't know that she necessarily would. Maybe it would be Sansa like traveling through the countryside, trying to rally people behind her. Um, and she comes across him or something, or maybe that is further proof supporting the Cleganeville theory that like, well, the show can't, doesn't have someone having like an inverse Arthurian quest like Brienne is right. traveling around, um, Who would meet this character, so why not just have him be brought back in and have Septon Maribold, you know, bring him here and have him fight for the faith militant? But I think, I don't know, I don't really like the idea of the hound being a pawn. Of the faith militant As cool as it would be to have, Yeah him I don't
0: I don't there. love that either I don't love that either But I think there's still ways To have him on the show And oh, you can yeah, get Yeah I agree Yeah and you it. can eventually Get your Clegane Bowl It's just in season 7 Or season 8 But that only builds up the hype So I am down for that Alright we have to talk about this We only have like 5 minutes left basically But we have to talk about st- So many things to talk about But I think this is the bigger one That we really need to discuss Is what's going on in the north At Winterfell Rick and Stark is back He is delivered by Small John John Umber to Ramsey Bolton. Call your shot, Terry. Is this a ruse? Is this the, is this the show's version of the great Northern conspiracy? A lot of people are thinking that this is somehow the Umbers pulling one over on the Boltons. The Mandarleys have been mentioned relatively recently. The Umbers and the Mandarleys were both slighted horribly at the Red Wedding. Is this gathering their things together and them making their moves against Ramsey? Are we going to get some version of Frey Pie?
1: I, like, I want to believe, but I don't think the show has time for stuff like that. I, like, I yelled so loud over Shaggy Dog. I was so Shaggy upset. Death. We need, we need more direwolves. Um, no. No, I'm just gonna, I don't, no. I don't think so. I think what we're seeing is what we're getting, and, like... I don't know. Yeah. I, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't look good to me. I don't think that it's going to be some big conspiracy.
0: Yeah, the very furious geek, Furious, wrote in a, uh, a denouncement of this theory. I see some fans thinking that the Umbers are pretending to hand over Rickon as part of some double-crossing plan, but that makes no sense. Why would you hand over the real Rickon if Ramsey has no idea what he looks like? Yeah. This comes off like those R plus L equals D or that John is a Dane theories that when you use the tiniest bit of critical thinking, make no sense. Rick on his toast. Deal with it, people. And if this is a ruse, it's bad TV writing. One hundred and one, a class you could take at Michael Bay University. It is known. <laughs> yeah, um, one of many geek furious comments this week. The only one we have time for today. But I think um, you know, I would like it. It would be. It would be great. It would be so nice if this was the grand Northern conspiracy coming together. I have a hard time picturing it, just because. Why are you putting Rick on? On the path um, and the other thing I would say is I got the chance
1: if It's a conspiracy then uh, then It's a bad one yeah it's like why Would you put him in
0: is. harm's way But I got a chance to interview Art Parkinson who plays Rickon Stark this week and I tossed it out There I was like hey you heard this What do you think about this theory and He was basically like and he was, he's a very Quiet guy not verbose he's very Selective with his words and I Think a question like that certainly I asked A, b- a few people in my interviews this week Of what do you think of Bran being Able to talk to the past and I got from The guy who plays young Ned Stark Robert Arameo he was like I don't know what do you think I can't really say anything and I feel like That's sort of the answer you get once you're drilling In on something kind of important You know it was similar yeah. to the thing that I got from Jeremy Podestwa the director of the First two episodes when I asked him about Ghost even though That didn't really bear out um, The guy who plays Rick on Art Parkinson Basically said well that'd be nice But then again it would also really suck Because the Umbers were really Close friends of the Stark, so if it's true that they're just throwing me to the wolves that's really lame that's paraphrasing what he said but that's essentially what he said and he said it fairly quickly and to me it seemed like he wasn't dodging anything to me it seems like he was more playing ball with a theoretical idea or maybe he was pulling one over on me that would also be great but i'm i'm backing the idea that this is legit i think that the umbers did betray the starks uh i think that it could be reversed
1: sad for great john umber
0: it does make me sad. I think, you know, it's not impossible, but I have to. The show has to present a really good reason for why they threw Rick on to Ramsey. Um, and I don't know that there is one. Like, I don't know that one exists. I don't know how this plan exists without Rick on losing a nose or Osha having something really, 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 really Ramsey happen to her. Uh, so I feel like it's just like you're throwing these people into the lion's den and you have to have them sign off on like this. Waiver of like we won't sue House Umber for any damages that <laughs> happen to us. We agree to this plot that is going to obviously hurt us and or kill us. It's just hard to picture what's the fix, what's the rescue for Rickon, and maybe that's going to come in one of these next couple of episodes. But it's just a little hard to see for me.
1: Well, that's a perfect segue for something I, I know because I, I'm the one I'm going to be. Go- I'm going to miss book club next week. This makes me really sad. I'm going to be like on the other side of the world. We'll um, have a anyway.
0: fantastic fill in for Terry TBD next week. Uh, it will be. Great. And Terry, if you want to email in your hot takes, we will, will have we will, will happily read them on the air.
1: But I, I do want to just give a shout out, you know, what could possibly come and save him? Well, Jon Snow, no longer Lord Commander of the Night's Watch with the mic drop moment of the episode. Did you like that? Oh, what what a great both open like we didn't get a chance to talk about it at all, which is how loaded this episode was uh but what great openers and closers to this episode i love them both equally you know even though i love the tower of joy these were two of my favorite scenes um just really powerful but that ending and like good for ed good for ed that he gets to be the lord well commander. he
0: gets to decide he's <laughs> holding the cloak at least
1: it's well he could be the thousandth lord commander
0: would he be or would he technically be 999 i don't think we got clarification on the num- numbering
1: well he could he had the potential to be a very important
0: either way you see you see John Snow rescuing Rickon or attempting a rescue
1: there at least there at least is someone there who could.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, Melisandre has said, I see Jon Snow in the fires at Winterfell. We know from, you know, from interviews, we know from previews that some big battle against the Boltons is coming up this season. I think you could definitely see Jon Snow leading the charge at Winterfell. I think that that's not a leap. I don't think that's a stretch.
1: I would leap and stretch I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: how about you (laughs) leap? How about you leap and stretch on out of here? Terry has a plane to catch for parts unknown. Awesome work trip, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. All right. yeah, it's going to be awesome.
0: You're all going to be jealous. All right, so follow Terry on Twitter at Terry underscore Schwartz to see what she is going to be up to on her many, many adventures. We will miss you on Book Club next week, Terry, but we will have I'll you back. You
1: guys. I'll, have to, I'll have to listen to get my therapy. There
0: you go. You'll have to listen. We'll have you back in two weeks. We'll have a guest on next week for next week's Book Club. I'm at Round Howard. Hashtag we could go with Bloom Paste. We could just stick with that. That was good.
1: I like bloom paste. All right. bloom hashtag Place.
0: bloom paste. Give a little bit of love to Mike Bloom. All right, everybody, that's the book club for this week. So much we didn't get to touch on. We will try and touch on some of that stuff unless new things happen next week. But you I think
1: we're going to touch so much.
0: Stuff. We're going to touch all the stuff. We're going to have lots of fun touching stuff. All right, take care, everybody. Goodbye.